What's up? This is Matt Franco. And this is Eric Dittleman. Welcome to Mind Over Magic. Thanks to everyone for being here for Mind Over Magic number 102. This is Matt here with my buddy Eric, and we're ready to hash some things out today. Yeah, that seems so formal of an introduction, Matt. Was that more formal than usual? I mean, yeah, maybe. I don't know. We're, we're... I thought it was. I thought it was uh, appropriate, but you know what? <laughs> if, if you want to edit it out, that's your game. No, no, we're leaving it. <laughs> we're leaving it in. Uh, man, it feels like I haven't talked to you in a long time because we were uh, we were on a, a a short week last week, so now we're right. we had a long week between. And wow. uh, boy, was I living life for the cast, Matt! I were did you ever so much. Uh, I like that. And uh, and with anything that I do, I try to see if we could tie it back to uh, you know performance art and how it helps us in our careers as entertainers. But boy, did I see. The uh, the epitome of entertainment, a life changing moment. Donny Osmond, close, legendary. <laughs> <laughs> I saw a beetle, Matt. Not that's amazing. I've now seen two Beatles, uh, but I finally got to see Sir Paul McCartney. Uh, we went to uh, Fenway Park, and he was doing his concert there. Boy, man, it was something. First of all, though. Seeing Fenway, it's weird. Have you ever seen a, like a show in a in like a sports stadium or like a ballpark? Yeah, uh, at Gillette Stadium, I think. Yeah, it's a weird. Mm-hmm. It's weird venues to do that, right? It's it's it's, it's the opposite of intimate. <laughs> That's a good way of putting it for sure. Yeah, <laughs> but we had uh, fun seats right on the third baseline. I took my mom. It was part of her birthday present. A friend went with us as well, and. Uh, the stage is incredible too, and just like the fact that he is almost eighty years old, Matt. Mm-hmm. He's like I think he just turned eighty, like or is about to turn eighty, and he's still performing. And boy, is it tough to go to the bathroom during that show because it's just all hits, man. <laughs> it's just Don't all tell hits. me that you did, did you? Uh, well, I mean, I you know you have to take a break at some point because uh, no, a, you don't. I a, don't understand. It's a two and a half. No, well, this. I was, I was. I mean, it was more like food and breaks and you okay, know, for yeah. Also no, I get it I with get my it. mom but and everything like that. You seem to have a you seem to have a uh, a history of this. Now. Oh no, I was fine. I was fine. <laughs> but, okay. Uh, well, I don't know because at the David Copperfield show. No, you I know, know. We've told. I thing. thought you were running errands during it for how long you were gone. <laughs> I think we've told that story. We have. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, he just—it's—it's it's beginning to end a two and a half hour concert, and just everything he does is play is amazing. He had tributes to um, George Harrison, where he's playing his mandolin uh, for like he did like kind of like a like an acoustic, like almost country version of something. Uh, and then it went into the real version of something that was kind of fun. There was fireworks during Living Let Die. Uh, I mean, he had a stage that was rising that was all LED screens that, like, while he was playing Blackbird, and it had like you know different um, images of the night and you know blackbirds on it. Uh, he had a piano that was all LED as well, so he could put any image on the piano. Wow. How crazy is that, Matt? I'm confused. So, like, the side of it, like, the edge is is LED? Yeah, like, picture an upright piano. Mm-hmm. So, like, where the soundboard is on the other side, the part you're not playing, that's yeah. an LED screen. 
Wow. And that's the part that's facing the audience, right? Right, right. So that was crazy. Uh, he's doing Hey Jude with the full crowd. The, the interesting thing is people are always like, oh, his voice isn't, you know, not quite where it was, obviously, when he was recording or whatever. But, like, he he's almost 80. So, come on. Yeah, like, right. Give him a break. <laughs> but also, it doesn't matter because literally everyone's singing along to every lyric. <laughs> Yeah, it's not just a display. It's not like he's just a singer. I mean, there's a lot more to it than just that. He he wrote the songs. I mean, there's just so Mm -hmm. much history, and he's performing the songs, and he's playing the instruments, and there's, like you said, fireworks. I mean, it's a little bit more than just going to hear the voice. Yeah, but it is his voice too. I'm sure. I'm sure he still got it. You know, maybe I'm wrong. I'm sure he still got it. Yeah, I don't know if they transpose some of it down a little bit or whatever. But oh yeah, they might change the key or whatever. That's fine. But he's eighty. He, yeah, I know. <laughs> I'll tell you the uh, the most incredible like uh, technological advance in the show is during his encore. He does a duet thanks to the uh, we talked about the Peter Jackson documentary. So Peter mm-hmm. Jackson was able to isolate John Lennon's vocal track, and he did a duet with a video of just John Lennon behind him. So it was like they were singing together again. And it was just like really powerful. It just, uh, I think it was for I Got a Feeling. And it just like, they had the two parts going simultaneously. It was unbelievable, Matt. Your mom must have been beside herself too. Oh yeah, she, I mean... I, I always I, I was joking with her. I go, yeah, my uh, my brother gave you a, a, a granddaughter. I got you to see a beetle. So who's <laughs> 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 the better son? No, I'm just kidding. He gave a you a responsibility. <laughs> <laughs> no, we had a blast. Uh, I definitely one of those moments you're never gonna forget. And it was just like, just to see the showmanship and to have that stamina. I mean. Can you do two and a half hours of performing straight with no breaks? Of course I can, but I mean that's not a fair question. But I yeah. mean that doesn't mean I'm Paul McCartney. <laughs> I feel like I get tired after two and a half hours. I mean, I've done probably I think the longest roving I've done is probably six to eight hours back when I was working at a Mexican restaurant for Cinco sure. de Mayo. And my time was up and they keep going, We're still busy, keep going, keep oh, going. Wow. We need the help. Wow, wow. So, you know, I just kept performing. and It probably was eight hours of performing close-up magic without a break. Um, But you know what? Could I still do that? That, you know, what I could do 10 or 15 years ago? I don't know. Right, exactly. (laughs) And also for a stage show, it was like, I I, I wouldn't want to necessarily subject my audiences to two and a half hours. But when you're Paul McCartney, no one wants it to stop. Oh, right. And now here's the other thing. Could I do that? Could I do two and a half hours at that age? That I that right. is yet to be seen. I know. Could I do it now? Of course. But I don't know about then. Yeah. There was just something. Do I have the material for that? Uh, let's see. <laughs> <laughs> there was something just so amazing, too. I mean, even with the uh, the weirdness of being in a, in a stadium and like the stage being a little further away and the baseball diamond, but like looking up and seeing the Boston skyline like above and having the fireworks, it's just, it was an amazing time, man. Oh, still man. Yeah. Beside myself. So, yeah. Great times. Uh, I recommend it. Catch Paul McCartney if you can. Just the production value alone, then the fact that it's who it is, the whole thing. Wow. That must be, uh, that, that's a special night. Yeah. I mean, he was telling some like behind the scenes stories, which is why you want to go to these concerts too, is to hear like the little insights. And he was talking about how like he, he listens to himself on certain recordings. He told a story of, uh, I think it was Love, Love Me Do, 
where the harmonica used to come in after John sang it on beat two, but for the recording, George Martin, their famous you know producer, wanted to come right at one. So John Lennon was like, I'll just keep playing the harmonica, but I'll come in at one. So Paul, you have to sing the track. <laughs> Oh, wow. So for the recording, Paul was like, yeah, every time I hear it, I still hear in my voice that I was terrified because I didn't know the song. <laughs> oh, so my gosh. Like, like, wow. Uh, and and it, that that's so relatable as a performer when you're going back and listening or seeing yourself on video and like oh, all, God, the, yeah. all those emotions come rushing back to you in that moment. And just like it's like recordings are recordings because you can't change them. You know, it's like you're, mm-hmm. you're stuck with whatever happened live. Um, you know, there's still moments, uh, you know, from, you know, AGT clips or other TV stuff that I do. I was like, I would have done that differently. But now it's going to live forever on, on a recording. So. Yeah, um, this ties in because we, we were just talking about before we jumped on. Mm-hmm. We have our video vault that's starting to add a couple of things to it for our for our Patreon listeners, and yeah. it, apparently people are digging it so far. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I, I think it's going to be such a cool resource. I've been trying to add. I think we've got at least like four or five videos up. I'm adding more. I don't know which ones you have up yet. I know I sent mm-hmm. you at least I sent you at least four or five just yeah, myself, but absolutely. I don't know which ones you have up. Yeah, but it's a great resource if you're if you are a patron, uh, patron, patron, <laughs> uh, on, patron on Patreon slash uh, mindovermagicpodcast.com or not dot com. Pa- let me do that again. Patreon.com slash mindovermagicpodcast. You can check out our video vault. That's going to be the only place where you can see all of our videos yours and mine probably. again not all so select as many as i can find <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> but all in one place that's nowhere else i don't think and, and many of them probably would be really difficult to find anywhere else if if possible so, so a lot of them will be so we'll get some definite rarities in there that'll be uh fun fun perks too yeah yeah so you can see i'm like hesitant to put some of them up or not not hesitant but i i want to um, like at least have a little like caveat type something to be like well this is the context of this video for like some of mine to be like this is what yeah. happened here but maybe we'll talk about those as we as we post them too and right i think that's fun too you know to to kind of um make your case right here on the podcast as to why it happened that way yeah audio audio you know? it's like the um yeah remember they used to do like director's commentary and all the DVDs yes, and yes. stuff. yeah just having a some sort of behind the scenes uh take on it would be interesting well it's relatable to uh, any performers listening to this for sure because we, we all I, I think almost all of us look back at our own footage and i think most of us cringe right Yes and no. I mean, I just I think it's whatever I do. I look back and I'm just like, yeah, I don't love looking at, you know, past performances or anything or even for anyone who's not a performer listening. I mean, if you ever hear your own voice recorded. Right. It's that same feeling. I think almost everybody, when they hear what they actually sound like not coming out of their mouth, they go, that's what I sound like. I'm a little bit more used to it now that I've been editing these podcasts, Matt. But of course, no, yeah, but I still but, have I mean, to someone, subject if you, myself. If you, if you never watch videos back yeah. of yourself performing because you're not a performer, mm-hmm. you, you probably, you know, every time you hear your own voice, you probably go, "Ooh, that's weird." Yeah, no, definitely. I think, yeah, but that's also why people. I mean, sports talk. We've talked about it on the podcast too about uh, reviewing tape, and mm-hmm. you learn from those, you know. So it's like uh, 
uh, you can you tape your shows because you're going to learn things that you wouldn't know, and the things that make you cringe are the things you'll want to fix, right? Yeah. Speaking of, I learned something, by the way. Yes. So we've we've gone into this in the past. Um, how I've I've uh, with spectators on stage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How I I've said you know I've really become incredibly uh, empathetic to whatever their behavior might be because it's an uncomfortable situation for them. Right. Uh, not necessarily uncomfortable, but it's a unique situation for them. Yeah, they're I not say. used to it. Yeah. Right. And I've now come to learn, because we've talked a lot about this last week, so there's a little bit of a follow-up here. We talked about how magic is not meant to be just a trivial puzzle all the time to mm-hmm. be solved. Yeah. I now realize that it's our fault as performers, as magicians, as mentalists, whatever, when that happens, and that's and I and I found out that that it's our fault. You okay? Wait, wait, wait. So what do you mean? Uh, let's let's catch up people up to speed. So last week you were talking about posting on Instagram or okay. TikTok, yes. and uh, how a lot of the comments are people just trying to solve the puzzle of magic how it's done uh but your point was it's that's not what magic really is and right. it's more than that and we had some people write in we'll, we'll get to some of those uh comments of like why do magic because uh, we got into larger questions but you're saying the fact that people treat magic like a puzzle is the magician's fault um well here's what i've learned so last week i talked about i had an idea to make a video yes um and i made said video Mm. i saw it yeah the response was fantastic Mm. right the response was um amazing there was no people treating it as a puzzle essentially also great way to plug your show (laughs) <laughs> and that's funny too. No, it turned into a plug for the yeah. show, but that yeah. that was actually organic. That's yeah, just right. where the creative led me. Yeah, it wasn't when I. And in fact, because you know the impetus for where this came. I know, from. I know, I know. So while it turned into a plug for, or you know, uh, essentially selling tickets, that's really not what what the. Um, that's what it turned into, but that's not what it was. That's not where right. like the heart of what the idea was. That As was you know in, anyone listening to this knows yeah, that that was which the is kind of cool. Yeah, exactly. Um. Anyway. Uh, I forget where I where I was leaving off there. So you learned that you learned something. Yeah, 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 yeah. So because of that response, I realized that anytime, for the most part, because people go have a preconceived notion that like the default when people see something impossible is to solve it for most people. Right. So if I present something, or if we anyone presents something, just as a trick without presentation, if you just if you're posting an Instagram video. And you play music in the background and you just execute the trick. Guess mm. what? Yeah. It's a puzzle. Yeah. Yeah. Unless you add something more. So anytime that happens, although we may may wish it would be another way, that simply is what it is. So we need to know as as magicians, as performers, that if you present it as a puzzle, you can't expect the audience to interpret it as anything except a puzzle. I think that's a, such a great point. And it's, uh, it ties into... What I was, uh, I just finished the, the, the book we've, I've been reading, The Writing for Emotional Impact. I finally, after several weeks, got to right. sit down. And there's a part um, where they're talking about subtext. Uh, and we'll get into this later if we want. But um, they, they kind of say it, set it up like a math equation. And he was quoting some other author. I don't have it in front of me right now. But he's saying, if you just present three plus two equals five, uh, people aren't engaged because you're just giving them information they can tune out if they want. 
But if you say three plus X equals five, they're automatically going to try and solve for X. Like they're engaged at that point. So it's, it, he's talking about subtext of like uh, leaving things out so that the audience is active. But that's already inherent in magic because we're automatically hiding a method in order to, you know, and that that's creating that puzzle solving mentality in the audience's mind. Right. Right. So and look, you have yeah, to ahead. add another level to it to get from that analytical. Um, so they're not focused on the method and so forth. So they're more focused on whatever you're trying to convey with the art of why you're doing magic. That has to be a level on top of, so it's not just method based. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know what? The truth is the puzzle aspect of magic I, look, I enjoy puzzles. I, t I mentioned crossword puzzles last week. I know you love puzzles. Mm -hmm. People like puzzles. So, like, the puzzle aspect of magic is fun, too. And, like, having right. an element of that in your show, awesome. You just sure. don't want that to be – that's not going to sustain an hour or 45 minutes or 90 minutes or whatever. Um, but, like, understanding that if it's presented as a puzzle, you cannot expect the audience to interpret it as anything else. And I think for some reason I – I've done that in the past. I've kind of expected that I could present it as a puzzle and for people to appreciate the illusion right. as something else. No, that's. I think that's a very strong point. It's up to the ma the magician themselves to bring the wonder or the extra element so it's not just focused on solving it. Right? Yeah, and 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 the fact that I like did this exercise of like how can I explain in short form yeah. that magic is more than just tricks doing that exercise really like just it gave me insight on like uh, on this that I was clearly having like a conundrum with last week. So yeah. we've come a long way on this long week. Yeah, we definitely had listeners write in about um you know their take on you know approaching magic as a puzzle but it was also a talking to that deeper magic uh, that deeper question i asked you and i'm wondering if you pondered this at all because you were kind of struggling what what is magic why magic what mm -hmm. what is it to you did you mm -hmm. did you come up with any you know ideas or answers for yourself on that well i think so that it's not just puzzle based yeah it, it, in the context of the the video that i made and you guys can see this on tiktok mm -hmm. and instagram at matt franco or tiktok is at matt franco magic um the the i'm stammering sure because it's a careful it's a careful topic that we care about right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um i think that the message there was because i kind of spoon fed the message was that i'm not just a magician but a storyteller mm. But yeah. even that's not a fair, mm -hmm. all-encompassing answer. That was just the context of that one video. Um, but I, and, and some of the things I was talking about in the video were true. It's like, yeah, people aren't sitting through 90 minutes of, of my show because there are puzzles. People aren't, right. you know, you're not... There's more You're not to getting that. voted to win America's Got Talent because just because of tricks. Just because you can't solve the puzzle. Yeah, exactly. You can't figure right? it there out. Right. Yeah. There has to be more to it. There has to be that human connection. Maybe it's storytelling. Maybe mm -hmm. it's something else. Um, so, yeah, back to the what is magic. I think it's what you make it. <laughs> yeah. It's just not as clear. It's not as clear of a self-expression as, say, music, where you inherently feel it. So it's different. I think when magic's performed well, you inherently feel it because it's inexplainable. Right. You don't have the words, right? So no, you're that, absolutely right. Yeah, I know that that 
That counts as a correction. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I know why you were trying to be so specific with your words. Remember, Matt, this is just a podcast that people will listen to over and over. But if we make a mistake, we'll just <laughs> correct it on the next episode. But, <laughs> exactly. That's the beauty of it. Hey, we're hashing it out. That's all. But dovetailing off of that, I was able to do one of my goals. I found my old PA application. So the is the episode over? No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> We're just all over the place. We have so much to talk about. We haven't when talked so When you say goals. Long. I know. I know. We're not there. We talked about mailbag, too. We're going to get to that <laughs> in a second. <laughs> just, I do. We, we should read a couple of those. Yeah, I do. I, we yeah. will. I, I'm going to read yeah. you because I dug up. So for the my application for the Psychic Entertainers Association, one of the questions is like, what got you into me- mentalism? And this was my response. And I think some of it's changed a little bit uh, since I applied. But uh, I'm going to read you it's a couple paragraphs what I wrote. How long ago did you write this, though? Ugh, I, don't know. I don't know. When did I join? Maybe, like, I don't know. I can't even tell you. We're talking five years? Yeah, something like okay. that. At least. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, oh, why mentalism? I, uh, and maybe these questions that I ask in this will help uh, y- you also kind of narrow down towards yourself so think about that so anyway well well, just so this is a part of an application process to become a member essentially yes there's lots okay. of questions this was just one question one part of one question mm-hmm. uh so this is my response i had to dig deep to figure out what got me into mentalism so i started having a conversation with myself i enjoy performing a lot so i asked myself then why mentalism and not acting or another performance art Well, I like giving other people the feeling of amazement and watching them reassess what is possible. Great, then why mentalism and not magic? I am generally interested in psychology and why we do things we do, but also I like not hiding behind props and looking magic-y, and I like the feeling of just being on stage and with seemingly nothing other than me. Okay, then why not be a speaker or a psychologist or a stand-up comic? And that's when I realized it wasn't just any one of these aspects, but all of them together that make me who I am. The best mentalists are actors, mystery performers, stand-up comics, psychologists, and speakers all rolled into one. Mentalism allows me to express every facet of what I want to share about myself to an audience. Therefore, my philosophy when performing is to bring as much of myself into the performance as possible, and ultimately my goal is to just be entertaining. This is why I combine my mentalism performances with stand-up and improv comedy and try to be clear and to the point. If an audience can't follow what is supposed to be happening, then they're not going to get the full enjoyment out of the performance they should. Uh, So that's just, you know, one... I mean, I probably would update that a little bit and make it a little bit more coherent <laughs> as one full thought. But I think that's the the idea is there's all these different elements coming into it to make a full performance and why I do this particular art form, because it highlights the parts that I want to share rather than one specific thought. Now, do you still agree with all the overarching ideas? You're just talking about small editorial things? Yeah, I think overall. I don't know if the goal is just to entertain. Obviously, it is because that's what we're in the entertainment field. But, uh, you know, I think I'm shifting more to having some sort of point of view or, you know, but the escapism part of it is so important, too, for people just to, like, you know, stop thinking about whatever's going on in their day and just have a good time and have fun. And and the reason for the self-expression as a performer is is, for me the, now that I'm thinking about it is, for the audience, to be able to see kind of a, a reflection of themselves a little bit. Yeah, yeah. It, 
you I really think that when you produce content, whether it be live on stage or social media, like I'm always trying to think now, well, what are they going to get out of it? Right? Like what why why should they care? And and I feel that way about even just this podcast. What what are people going to take away from this? Not try to think of it in a way that's like selfless mm. as opposed to selfish, right? And which is like a weird way to think about it because you are doing like an honest self-expression, but at the same time you want it to be selfless in a way. Yeah. There's uh, the, the one thing you said in there kind of like rubbed me the wrong way of uh, on stage. You re- uh, I would have re- referred to putting something on stage as content. <laughs> like for me. Oh my God. Here we go. This is like uh, EDC. <laughs> yeah, for yeah. 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 <laughs> well, I just feel like, well, I on mean- stage that's content. I mean, uh, depends on what you're doing, but I like, I, I always think of stage being like theater and art and it's theatrical content, Eric, <laughs> for some we, reason, the word content just rubs listen, me the wrong if way you there. Prefer me use a, a synonym and I think, tell me what you want me to say. I'll happily throw in a synonym for <laughs> well, you. Well, I think content for me implies like you're just posting for the sake of posting or trying to like do the that, word but, content yeah. has been around before <laughs> social media. But Dec- it's implied, right? Eons. It is, it, it is uh, with modern lexicons. But uh, I hear what you're saying. Yes. Yeah. 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 I, no, it but it's the same thing, though. Word. It's the yeah. same thing. If you're on stage, you don't call it content. Right. If you're performing on stage, there's still you still the whole point is for for the audience to be getting something out of it, right? To affect the audience, or I mean, there's something bold about. A performer who goes on stage too doesn't care what the audience thinks because they're trying to get some sort of self-expression out there for themselves. But and I think that could be fascinating. But because we're in an art form that is so reliant on the impact of the audience as well, you have to think about that throughout. And I think that was the whole point of this writing for emotional impact. The the point he drives home every step of the way is you you're writing a screenplay for a reader and you have to think about the reader the whole time and how they're experiencing these emotions throughout the ride, whether it be anticipation or tension or suspense or so forth uh, to make an engaging read. If you're creating a stage performance (laughs) that is really out there and Mm -hmm. avant-garde and quote unquote, you know, whatever you want to be doing, Mm -hmm. I still think deep down, whatever gives you the motivation to put it out there, and the, I, I shouldn't really speak in general terms like this because this is not going to be true for everybody, right. but I believe in most cases, you're putting that art out there uh, because you think other people will find it interesting in some way. Yeah, I think I think you can say that too. I think there's a whole. I mean, we could get into a whole like postmodernism and like trying to alienate the audience for the sake of alienating them and so forth. Like that, that. that's beyond me. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> that's another podcast. <laughs> but I think I think there's there's things we could talk about in that regard. But I think yeah, ultimately you are trying to affect the audience and why you're presenting it because uh, again I've said it in the past and I'm pr- probably paraphrasing from wherever I heard it from, but like the reason we go to theater is to be able to stare at someone else on stage. Yeah. And uh, yeah. 
and to have that commu- that human connection to see someone else put themselves out there. I mean, people. One of the main reasons why you know public speaking and stage fright is the number one fear is because people can't see themselves putting themselves out there in front of other people to be, uh, you know, criticized or you know judged upon or or not getting the the feelings they're trying to to convey to the right person. So when you when I think people admire performers that can do that and. Uh, they they want to feel some sort of connection and s- feel seen in some way or or relate in some way or see something and be like I disagree with that and that's not how I feel but this is it, it'll then therefore illuminates something within them of how they do feel. One of the reasons I enjoy going to see live performances and I'm not sure if this is this carries over to everybody or not if this is sort of a general thing but I love seeing people who are just simply experts so that could be mm-hmm. someone like a Paul McCartney yeah who has decades and decades of experience and just you know well above the 10,000 hours um or, or or it also could be an acrobat who's in a variety show who does the same five minutes three times a night for years and years and years and like that act is just so honed in and amazing and the costuming and the music they chose and they can do it almost automatically but they're still there in the moment and feeling it um I just that's a big part of what I'm fascinated by yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head right there because, I mean, even in awe of seeing a Beatle live and just the the impact he had on the entire Fenway audience was the really powerful part. The fact that everyone's singing along and, like, just joyful and having the time of their lives. I mean, for me, the moments I'm going to remember most is when I looked over to my mother and she's just having the time of her life, right? Because that's, right. that's why we're doing That's the this, real magic. Right? That's the real magic behind all of this. So, But it is true. Seeing a performer like that that connects with an audience on a certain level, um, I, I guess I would relate it to, let's say you go to a stand-up comedian show and I'm, I'm – I think most people may have done this. I feel like you must have done this if you've seen certain comedians. When they walk out on stage, the standing ovation begins. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're getting just a lot upon of credit, their credit just for being who they are before they even do anything. Immediately, like, you feel part of something period. very special. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And now you're just talking about that is simply the effect that they're already having on the audience as an appreciation of what? their pre- For their previous work, I suppose. Yeah. Um, and that... You know, that's what you're talking about with the McCartney thing. Just looking and seeing mm-hmm. how mm-hmm. the effect it's having on everyone already brings it to another level. Right. Exactly. I yeah. think Very cool. I think that's cool. Well, we've been talking about it. So why don't we jump to the mailbag now, Matt? Because we did have okay. some people chime in uh, based off of our questions. Of yeah, what is magic there were a couple of those magic. that I, I think we should touch on. So let's uh, let's jump into our mailbag. The mailbag. I've got mail. Uh, Matt, did you want to pull one out? or? Yeah, I wanted to start with uh, one from Lee. Okay, sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, Lee, thank you for writing in. Appreciate it. He says, hey, guys, I really enjoyed the conversation on why TikTok magic isn't magic and magic isn't about being tricked. Cool. Mm-hmm. Love that. Um, the reason I enjoy performing, I think, is I love making people smile or laugh. I agree with that 100%. Mm-hmm. I'm already giving commentary. I haven't even finished <laughs> yeah, yeah, reading yeah. it yet. <laughs> I do tricks sometimes that I know won't work. Work is in quotes. Um, my point is never to fool someone. If I can get a laugh, or the trick was a success. I'm going to pause here. There is more. Mm-hmm. Um, That's interesting. I, go ahead. Sorry. 
I was just saying that's interesting that he intentionally does magic that won't have the effect of, you know, fooling or whatever of amazement just because, you know, he plays it for comedy. And I think Yeah, that's, so I'm that's not sure if that's like response. an homage to like a Carl Ballantyne type thing or like Amazing Jonathan or like a Right, 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 right. Yeah. This is interesting because, you know, I've been um uh learning from Bill Malone for years, you know, mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. become sort of a, a mentor of mine. And one of the things he said on his early uh, videotapes that he put out was as long as the audience is laughing and having a good time, he feels like his job as an entertainer is done. And I think that's true. Mm-hmm. And I've always felt that way. Um, but as years have gone on, I've thought, well, and I'd love to get his take on it now. Cause that was, you know, decades ago sure. that he made those tapes. Um, but I think job as an entertainer, yes, job as a magician. No, because as a magician, inherently, you know, technically you're required to present a mystery. I think it's just part of the definition. Um, right. So which, while I agree with the whole, as long as they're laughing and having a good time, my, my job is done. Yes, as an entertainer. But are you a magician? If you're presenting mystery, I would say yes. Yeah, right? I think that relates to when we were talking about Jonathan when he passed about whether mm-hmm. he's regarded more as a magician or a comedian. And I think sure. that's the element there is if there's a ma- moments of amazement, then you're technically a magician. If you're playing it all for laughs, then you're probably a comedian. Yeah, Jonathan's a gray area, too, because yeah. in his early days, he was actually doing tricks. He was actually yeah. performing comedy magic. Yeah. And then it sort of evolved to less and less magic, and he became a comedian. Yeah. Um, a prop comic, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so going on with Lee's email, just a couple more lines mm-hmm. here. Uh, for me, and this is a little dark, he says, life is not always full of joy. It's much easier to brighten someone else's day than to brighten my own. Um, I... I understand what you're saying. Mm. Uh, I don't care to be seen as skilled, he says. Uh, I care to be a mood lightener. Mm. I love that. Yeah. Um, this is why I do have an everyday carry. <laughs> <laughs> I don't pull out tricks every day, uh, but it's important uh, for me to be, it's important to him to be ready to make someone else's day better. And that's awesome and amazing. Um, but Eric would just prefer you call it something else. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> what, what you have on you. Uh, so yeah, there's he, a lot here. Yeah, he talks about life not necessarily being full of joy. I think it's all about perspective and framing too, right? But um, but if he's if he thinks it's easier to brighten someone else's day, think about how what how important that is to people who do feel that way right that you are that moment of joy that you're bringing to someone else so i love that idea of being a mood lightener and to uh and to just bring joy and light to someone's um to someone's world yeah and and i will say this i i I do think it becomes easier to brighten others days if you can brighten your own first and i know it's Mm -hmm. not always easy to do yeah it's really really challenging but if you can ever find joy in things uh even just the little things you you can find joy and just you'll find yourself in a better mood actually there's science on this uh Mm -hmm. supposedly i haven't i haven't done quote unquote my own research i'm taking (laughs) uh, others words for it um in the the meditation world but if you put a smile on your face, even if it's a, a forced smile, yeah. apparently science shows that you will be happier in that moment. Yeah, there's a really cool psychological experiment where it's not even the intent behind it. The fact that you're, there's this association with smiling. So that I, I remember reading a study where they gave people a pencil to put in their mouths. And what that does is it forces them to have their mouths... Uh, in a smile, essentially. So yep. even because that wasn't even like the intent behind it, it still was able to affect people's moods because they were going through the emotions that have such an association 
you know, subconscious behind it. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Yeah, I've heard that pencil thing before. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah. I love I love uh, that stuff. So anyway, Lee, thank you for sending that in and letting us read it on the air. Yeah, appreciate that. Thank you so much. Uh, I want to jump over to another one we got in from uh, Bruce, who actually wrote a little bit about this uh, in a, uh, uh, a short essay he said he wrote some years ago. Matt, I don't know how you would present what magic is really all about in a short video clip, but anything is possible. He's using your tagline. I like mm-hmm. that. Uh, just on the off chance you might find this of interest, I wrote a short essay some years ago that shares my take of what magic is all about. He calls it Believe. I'll read this real quick here. Uh, I wish to go on the record that I personally do believe in magic. My goal is to produce real magic in my shows. The important thing is to define what magic is. Some may feel that magic is the power to do things that science and logic say are impossible. I have a completely different definition. When I make objects appear or vanish, when I saw a volunteer in half, then put them back together in harm, or when a person or object defies gravity and floats in midair, that is not the magic. When someone takes a short break from logical or rational thought and seeing me do these things just thinks, wow, that's amazing, without worrying about figuring out how it's done, that is magic. When I watch a beautiful sunset, I feel the magic. If I think about the scientific explanation of the phenomenon that causes those colors, I kill the magic. When I used... Uh, when I used to watch my children when they were babies, I felt the magic. Later, when they were teenagers but occasionally acted responsibly, I knew that was magic. Um, I have often said magic is as real as you believe it to be. If you don't believe in magic, you're right. There is no such thing in your life. However, if you do believe in magic, you are right. Magic is real, and it's all around you. You just have to open your eyes, and you'll see it. I wouldn't want to live a life without magic. This is what I try to share with my audience. This is the real magic. I do believe in magic. Do you, Bruce? Wonderful. Um, yes. Thank you so much for sharing that. I'm jumping out of my chair for one thing. Yes. Um, You're not literally, by the way. This is a, a, a audio podcast, so just for our listeners, Matt is still seated. <laughs> I, yeah, it's, it's a figurative thing. But no, I, I agree with... Um, I love a lot of that and agree with a lot of it. The one thing that I felt was harsh mm. was the the sun part about thinking about how like when you get to the scientific aspects of, of I was going to say the, the same rises. thing that I enjoy thinking about the scientific aspects of it. And that just like, brings more awe to me that we live in a world where all the science does these amazing things. Well, here's the thing. I think we need to get away from learning methods, killing magic. Mm. Because people are learning methods all the time, whether they want to or not, just by scrolling through TikTok or this or that. Yeah. And the truth is, it doesn't kill magic. And the truth is, like you just said, you know, understanding how, you know, what makes the sun rise and fall and why it looks that way. And that doesn't kill the magic of the sun. I just think that's um, I know what he's saying, mm-hmm. um, but I think that that's a little bit of a harsh or aggressive stance to say that it kills it. I think it, it helps you appreciate it in a different way. Yeah, I think that might be right. Yeah, it, I, it's, again, it's all about lenses and where you're putting the frame around it, right? I'm thinking uh, there's a, a a part two to this um, topic of, of creating an Instagram video to create, you know, what magic is in short form. I think it needs a part two. And part of what I was thinking of was relating it to music because that's something people understand sort of because um, it's more common um, mainstream. But like a guitar riff is not 
music per se. It's musical, but it's not a song. Right. And it goes into um, that conversation we always have about the craft versus the art, right? And right. you're learning the tools to make the art, and that is the craft part of it. Um, so when you turn a card into a watch, that's a riff. Yeah. Right? It's not a song. It's a riff. It's, you know what I'm saying? It's a guitar riff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's that's, the, how I, that's how I would relate it to music. It's the building block of, yes. of what you're trying to put together in order to give your own self-expression, your emotion. I mean, I, that's where I think that's where the difference of art is and what we're talking about why you're on stage is because you are a human being who's experiencing emotions and you're trying to convey that emotion to someone else so that they can have sympathetic emotions as well. Moreover, listening, uh, learning music theory doesn't kill music, mm. right? It helps yeah. you appreciate it in a different way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It might kill, it may kill appreciating it in the way that you did before, but that's the case for learning anything. Yeah. It's the more right? knowledge base you have, the more you can see. I mean, even with the screenwriting book I'm reading, you're starting to see the methods on how movies are created. But now I can go and you can I think you can also see things at different levels. Like uh, oftentimes when I see a theater show, I love those moments when I'm taken out of the analytical. But I can also then rewatch the same theater show or movie or whatever it is and Mm -hmm. watch it with that analytical mind as well. Yeah, I I do believe as a whole, we all need to move away from thinking that, you know, learning the secret to a trick kills the trick. And I I actually talk about that on stage every night. So Mm -hmm. apparently it's something that's, you know pretty pretty deep in yeah. there but i i do believe it's true yeah but I, I i agree with the whole sentiment of this article i think yeah it's, oh absolutely it's well said bruce yeah lenses and perspective and just if you decide to see and appreciate the joy and the awe uh then magic will fill your lives and i think that's like i said it ties into like looking over and seeing the expression on my mom's face as she's enjoying paul mccartney like that's the moments that are amazing and he actually has a quote from doug henning as well it says the art of a magician is to create wonder if we live with a sense of wonder our lives become filled with joy and i think that's kind of what it is to be a magician i like that quote. yeah yeah well the thing you're talking about with mccartney bruce bruce hit on essentially in that Mm -hmm. in that note um and i just want you to know it's not lost on me how crazy we sound right now no, I think I think you some of our that, episodes though, right? get very philosophical and <laughs> No, just, but uh, yeah. as you're talking about it, I I am talking about it passionately and I also feel like you are too. Like I don't think mm-hmm. you're just going through the motions. I think you actually like are interested in this. No, absolutely. Yeah. Like I can tell and I know because I know you, but like <laughs> we also like to many people might sound crazy going this deep in. And like I feel like we're still just at the surface. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like we're still at you the surface, too. And I feel like I, I, I think our listeners do enjoy this stuff. I mean, that's why they're Oh, they're, I, I, they're I, I certainly so, hope so. Yeah. But like and, it's yeah, yeah, for sure. Sorry. And, and we want to encourage more emails. So if you're listening to this and have thoughts or want to expound upon different ideas or you you agree or dif- disagree or have your own take on what why you do magic or any performance arts, because I know we have people who are not magicians listening to this as well, who are just in the, you know, kind of passionate, whether they're entertainers or not. Uh, whether they do it as a hobby or not, or professionally, uh, we'd love to hear your take. And you can write us at mindovermagicpodcast at gmail.com. I'm so happy we found people that are interested in these same quirky things. I really am. It, it, it just, I'm, I'm smiling ear to ear, and I don't even have a pencil in my mouth. 
uh, episode title. Uh, but uh, <laughs> we should switch gears because some people also listen just for our riddles and trivia. So let's jump over to Diddle Me This. Diddle me this, diddle me that. Will Eric end up stumping Matt? Riddles! Um, Matt, I was telling you, I hope we have not done this one. Uh, I, I believe I have a full record. I've gone through with the help of uh, also our, our lovely web designer, Alex. Uh, thank you again, Alex, uh, for going through the, the old catalog of 101 episodes uh, of uh, just kind of writing down which riddles we've done not. So I didn't see it on the list. So here you go, Matt. Here's your riddle. A is the father of B. But B is not the son of A. How is that possible? A is a priest. So I'm going to uh, read it one more time. A is the father of B, but B is not the son of A. How is that possible? Now, that is an interesting answer. I think technically, given the riddle, I'm going to give that to you. That is a creative way. Thank you, sir. But let's pretend it is actually paternal and not just the term father for like a congregation okay. and so forth. So um, A is the I, father of B. So yep. si- we'll say sired will mm-hmm, be fancy. Mm-hmm, a mm-hmm. Is, the, is the sire of B, but B is not the son of A. How is that possible? I'm just going to give the listeners a moment to think about this. You're feeling confident you nailed it. I think so. I think you got it too. I'm going to say B is the daughter of A. Boom! Yay! For example. For example. Or, yeah, or non-binary or whatever. Because I just, there's this, you know, masculine uh, assumption that always occurs with a lot of these riddles that uh, exploit that assumption. Sure. It just shows all the years of the patriarchy. And so (laughs) I'm just saying, hey... Let's uh, you know realize there's uh, there's more world out there and be uh, conscious of uh, of gender stereotypes. So that's why that. I said, for example, and uh, and uh, happy Pride while we're on that subject as well. So oh yeah, it's true. yeah. <laughs> so anyway, let's switch over to trivia. Matt picks up the question, then he stares at it. Eric's at the ready, time to use his wit. Pressure, 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 trivia, pressure, trivia. What was banned in Indonesia for stimulating passion, in quotes? Stimulating uh, passion is in quotes. Wow. Um, I, I'm glad. I'm hoping there's going to be choices because that is very open-ended. <laughs> for stimulating passion. I mean, there could be a lot of things, Matt. <laughs> so I've got choices for you. L- let's hear the choices. Skip it. Okay. So these are like to- hopefully all toy-related or something because I had a – my mind was going very elsewhere. <laughs> go, on. <laughs> go on. Twister. Yep. Hula hoops. Ooh, okay. Bop it. Skip it and bop it, I feel, are like like new enough that this probably wouldn't have caused as much of a stir as the other two. I know hula hoops were a thing because of the gyrating hips, and also Twister was uh, also very controversial because of, uh, you know, um, body parts around other people's body parts. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's between the two. It doesn't give me a date on this. Um, so I'm just going to say I know it was a 
big ordeal when the hula hoop hit the market. So I'm going to guess hula hoop. Yeah. <laughs> now, that was a really hard one because I'll tell you something. I made up the choices. Did you? <laughs> so there's a very good chance Twister that Twister was, was also banned. I don't yeah, know. I was gonna say. <laughs> <laughs> if the hula hoop was banned, maybe. Yeah, and if we have well any um, listeners from Indonesia, let us know uh, yeah. if that's still the case. Uh, mm-hmm. Curious. Um, very nice. Very nice, Matt. Uh, well, we hit the mailbag already. We did. That. Yeah, no. This is this has been a great episode. If there's anything else you want to touch on before we yeah. uh, before we move on here, I want to give a shout out because we mentioned him in an earlier episode. I got a package from our friend and artist Jason Holiday of some oh yes custom shoes uh and they are amazing there's how took, awesome is that it, i'm definitely gonna wear them on stage they're so cool i if you haven't seen them i post them on my instagram at Diddleman, um and you can see just doodles it's uh they're they're white vans that he's drawn like little creatures he even has a little mind reader guy wearing like a little helmet on it with uh so funny he has like little eyes in the back of the heels uh, so they're they're custom to me, uh, and I'm just so thrilled uh, that with this lovely gift. So I wanted to give him a shout out and tell him uh, I appreciate it. And uh, do you have the shoes near you now? I do not. No, I, I, I wanted don't. to see if you noticed. There's um, like a signature trademark that he includes on everything. Oh, is he had a bear that kind of looks like himself, you pointed out, <laughs> which was kind of funny. But now we have matching, essentially matching shoes. I mean, they're not the same shoes, but they're... No, because um, they're custom. They're custom, yeah. We so, should wear them out together. Wouldn't that be funny? Yeah, people would be asking us all night, like, what, what's with the shoes? <laughs> and they like, you wish, you, you, wish yeah, you had these shoes. Funny. Some kind of club where we all have those <laughs> shoes. Tiana's yeah. got some, too. All three of us could pop them on. Let's do it. Next time I'm in Vegas, we're hitting the town in some Jason <laughs> Halliday shoes. No, that's really cool. Thank you to Jason. Yeah. Um, those are just, yeah, really, really awesome artwork. Check out Jason Holiday. Yeah, I saw some shows, too. Uh, I don't have much to say about them, but I want to touch upon them uh, briefly, some Broadway shows. I saw a show called POTUS, um, and it's about the seven wi- women behind the president to make, make him not look like a dumbass. I didn't get that tagline exactly right. But uh, the inter- it's a it's an all female driven um, farce essentially, kind of like uh, like if you're into Veep, you'll really like this show, uh, this production. But like the cast is amazing, Vanessa Williams, Rachel Dratch, so many talented uh, cast members. But uh, the interesting thing I want to bring up is Matt the uh, the sets like a Lazy Susan, so it's like four different sides and it revolves. And in the middle of my production, the set got stuck. Oh, so as performers, I'm always fascinated with how you're going to handle that moment. So mm-hmm. because it's a comedy, though, the actors just broke the fourth wall and just like said to the audience because like they were in a scene transition and they were like kind of like pivoting around. They just broke character and came out and was like, yeah, this sometimes happened. The sets on wheels. Uh, so uh, we're going to leave and uh, we're, they're going to fix that. And like they just made a joke about it. And the audience was laughing because it was funny. And there's a there's a character who's on the phone kind of listening on the door as it got stuck. And so when they cleared the stage, the stage manager came out. They fixed the set. It revolved to the next set. And then the actor came out again and she punched into the phone. She's like, bleep, 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 just to pick up where she left off. So there was like extra comedy because of how sure. they how they dealt with that. So uh, again, people didn't think it detracted from the show at all and just thought it was like, oh, we get this own fun private moment uh, mm-hmm. for us. 
And then the other show I saw was Macbeth, mm-hmm. which you're not supposed to say in a theater, Matt. Uh, is that a superstition? It is a superstition. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, Daniel Craig, James Bond, played Macbeth. Ruth Nega, who I first saw from the show Preacher, but she was phenomenal as Lady Macbeth. Uh, very pared down set, Matt. But what was interesting to me was the fog machine was a character, essentially. <laughs> they had like crew members with uh, handheld fog machines that were like bar- must have been battery packed uh, somehow, and they could free roam, and they just would spray that was like the really the only set was spraying fog uh and they'd have like a little piece of cardboard and they would like fog the cardboard and then kind of wave the fog in a certain direction to create the atmosphere and the mood and i just had never seen that and i'm always looking for those little unique production elements when i see these shows on what people decide to do and see if there's like ways we could do that so i'm i'm pitching to you matt in your vegas stage show have a fog machine and a little cardboard and have someone just wave fog around for different... We already a- have haze, though. I mean, but this is, like, pinpointed haze. <laughs> 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 so, like, they would make a circle and, like, they would... They had a, like... Uh, obviously, Macbeth has a lot of ghosts and kind of visions and stuff like that. So they would, like, billow up the fog on the cardboard and then just wave it and it would just be, like, this poof of fog that came out of nowhere. But obviously you knew where it came from because it was a person wearing all black. Right, right, right. <laughs> but, uh, but it created a real effect, cool effect. And what I also liked is they had these, like, hoodies, these jackets. So when there's ghosts appear, they had fog coming up from the jacket and, like, billowing out of the neck hole. Uh, mm-hmm. So it was really cool. So I just wanted to share that with you. Very well. cool. I actually have a different sort of uh, fog element um, that I'm working with in the show, actually, believe it or not. Really? Yeah, it's not magic related. It's just like a production element that I've been um, waiting to get the right pieces in place to add it just as an added layer. Ooh, I can't wait to see that. Yeah, so you might have something fun to see in that regard when you come back around. That is really fun. That is really Mm -hmm. fun. Matt, we are winding down. We should get to, even though we mentioned it earlier, our goals. Okay, confession. All right, so my goal was to watch part two of the George Carlin documentary. Not mm-hmm. a crazy lofty goal. However, I didn't achieve it. No, that's um, right. When I did find a few minutes of time to watch something, I went with the uh, the Bob Saget tribute on Netflix. I haven't checked that out yet. I want to watch that. Yeah, um, it's you know it's sad and touching, but also. Mm-hmm special and and also there are a lot of laughs too so uh i enjoyed watching that and i will eventually get to the carlin i'll just log that in for next week listen to all those emotions that you just brought up that you were affected by the bob saget tribute that's why we're doing this man this is why we're doing it um i was to continue working on methods and writing for the stage piece i had a busy week i really didn't get to do that i had some orientation gigs that i had to focus on getting done but i did finish uh, the the book, Writing for Emotional Impact, which we talked about today. I have some more thoughts that are kind of inspiring, you know, how I'm approaching writing now. Uh, I, did, I had to do some podcast work and Patreon work, which I've been doing, and more videos will be up there. And then I had to dig up the PA application, so I did that. So your goal next week is the Carlin Doc? Yes. And to continue working on magic, I assume. Uh, uh, just just put the Carlin doc for now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Mine is I I I, I visited uh, Tannen's magic shop because uh, I haven't been since pre-pandemic. One of the 
most well-known magic shops, the magic shop in New York, essentially. And um, I uh, wanted to uh, contribute to their brick-and-mortar business, so I bought a bunch of books. So I'm going to read some of the books that I bought. And uh, and then the other goal is to get back on some exercise stuff. Yeah, I should have put that on mine. <laughs> Got to get back running again, but it's hard when it's 110 degrees. <laughs> I know. It's cooler here in New York, so I'm going to try and run on the track and also get back into my VR exercising that I've been doing. So uh, that's that's the goal. That's the goal. I mean, summer's here. Got to get that summer bod. Because everyone, yep. kno- oh, there every- you go. <laughs> everyone, everyone knows Diddleman for his summer bod. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, this has been a wonderful episode, and we'll see you next week. Yeah, we got to do our plugs, Matt. Um, you we don't t- have to do plugs. Yeah, we got to do our plugs, and we got to thank our producers. We do have to thank our producers. That is that is a that is a must. So you, we are very thankful for people that. People know to buy tickets at Ticketmaster to see your show. Thank you, sir. EricDiddleman.com to book me. And yes, then uh, if you want to visit our Patreon and also get thanked as a producer, you can visit patreon.com slash mindovermagicpodcast. Uh, visit our website, mindovermagicpodcast.com. Uh, there's, again, that video vault on the Patreon, I think is going to be uh, one of the best perks. Uh, but you can check out all the other perks and different tiers. But we couldn't do this show without our uh, our, our amazing producers who are our, our top patrons here who uh, signed up for us. And uh, we'd like to thank Dr. Bob Baker, James Dawson, and Jesse Miller. Thank you so Thanks, much. Thanks, everybody. Uh, until next time, Matt. This is over. <laughs> this is over. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs>